Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. A year ago, I used every bit of access and influence to get tickets to Cabaret for one reason only, to see Eddie Redmayne, and I went back two times. I would have liked to have gone back more. And last week, conquering my enormous fear of being afraid, I watched him in The Good Nurse and was a bit unnerved about just how beautifully he made a mass murderer not only empathetic, but almost lovable. But I, and all of us in the River Cafe, really know Eddie as a great lover of food. Actually, I'm here alone as Eddie is in the kitchen with the chefs making pizzas. A little annoying, as I don't go around acting in plays and movies, but how could I possibly mind... Hi, I'm Jess and I'm a chef at the River Cafe. I've been here for four and a half years uh, and we're making pizzas on the pizza section. So you want to roll it out quite, quite wide. I obviously made the rookie error to begin with of putting far too much stuff on top. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is I think a sort of like day one. <laughs> exactly. All splurges over into sort of pie rather than... So now we can put our telegio on. Yeah. It's like a really cafe pizza. This is amazing. It's great. Wow. Delicious. Thank you so much for coming down. Today, Eddie and I are here in the River Cafe about to begin our conversation. Thank you so much, Ruthie. So nice to see you. So nice. So thank you. How was it making the pizzas? It was, um, you fulfilled a, a, a childhood dream of mine. <laughs> I like childhood dreams. Yeah. What would that be? I mean, uh, <laughs> it was, I, 
I, I don't, watching chefs like, as a kid, we didn't really go to restaurants that much, but it became a thing when we were sort of, I think about nine, ten years old, that the weekends would be playing sport on a Saturday, and then the evenings we would go to like Pizza Express, mm. watch pizzas be made, take them home, and watch Poirot. That was like our sort of, uh, and so, but, but my parents always said that I would sort of sit there sort of clutching yeah. onto the marble, kind of watching yeah. the process. Nothing like the pizza that I got to make today. Oh, today um, so but it was extraordinary. You yeah. fulfilled my lifelong it uh, is, dream. It is very dramatic. You're absolutely right. And yeah. it's also, but also the process of watching food be made yeah. has always been something that I've just mm. adored. And, and so open kitchens... Do you think and, it's theatrical? Uh, maybe it is that. Maybe yeah. it is that. And it's also kind of organised chaos. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's sort of... Yeah. Um, the, it, the, the choreography of it, even just going into the kitchen today and hearing yeah. about the process of the different numbers of yeah. chefs and where yeah, they, yeah. Which, which section they're in charge of and how they arrive at the beginning of the day not knowing yeah. whether they're going to be on, you know, the wood oven or yeah. making pizzas or... I love the ordered chaos of it. Mm. There's also, I always say, and there is something about the drama of a restaurant, that mm. the curtain goes up yeah. At 12.30, you know, and at that point, everybody has to have, you know, um, cleaned the carpet or grated the cheese or, you know, made sure the olive oil was on the shelf and that the menu had been written. And I, I have never acted on, in a play, but I assume that if the actor doesn't know their lines or the stage set hasn't been painted or the program hasn't yeah. been printed... That the show doesn't go on. You're, you're right? totally right. And also yeah. the feeling of, I think, I imagine it's similar in restaurants, but of uh, when we were doing cabaret, for example, you have your own weird path of superstitions that mm. you've created over mm. the run of the thing that involve, for me, because I'm old, having to sort of roll out a lot in order that your body doesn't break, yeah. vocally warm up and all that stuff. But then also as a group, meeting on the the circle of the stage and warming up together, mm. sitting, greeting each other, seeing how that everyone's days have been. And at that point, the space has a kind of fluorescent light on it. It's, yeah. and, and then we, we, we could hear the audiences coming that. in and then we all shift out mm. and the lights go down and the space takes on this kind of magical potency, I suppose. Is that similar yeah, when you're sort of... Yeah, it is. It's just, and, the doors also, are about to open. So collaborative. Mm. But going back about working and food, mm. I'm so intrigued about whether actors... And, if it's a matinee, do you mm. have lunch? Well, <laughs> generally what happens with me when I do theatre is I lose weight. Do you? <laughs> because yeah. you're um, firing on adrenaline. Mm. And the truth is I, I can't eat just before a, a show. Mm. It's too soon. You know, uh, so I try and eat a really good breakfast. I try mm -hmm. and drink a shed load of water first thing mm -hmm. in the morning, which I'm not good at. But um, recently doing cabaret, my wonderful singing teacher said that apparently it takes the six hours, your vocal cords are the last things that hydrate. And it takes six hours for the hydration to get through. So sort of first thing in the morning, you, I would sort of come downstairs and down glasses of, of water but then, of course, after the show, you're riding on adrenaline yeah. and it's late yeah. and you don't... Um, so on mat matinee days, you sort of have to force yourself to eat. Between which is, shows. Yeah, and, and, and normally for me, it's something kind of... It's, it could be noodles with prawns or something mm. light, something mm. that's easy. There's a, a weird thing about our job, um, both in theatre and on film, that particularly on film, I suppose, when you... Because you wake up very early, you mm. can be up at sort of, you know four or five or something and then back late that I feel like you turn more into a child in the sense that 
your body clock like straight after lunch on a film set if you mm. quite often you just hit this total wall of mm. uh, like you eat and then you can completely pass out mm. um because and and then you sort of you wake again and and you you kind of i suppose dose yourself with caffeine in order mm. to sort of then put you through but i i never feel it when i'm not working mm. but that real feeling of straight after lunch you're a bit like a baby you sort of go straight to yeah. to to yeah but learning to to eat and caffeinate yourself the odd things about film sets and and theater is is the rhythms of it yeah. you know you can be you can be shooting an intense scene on on yeah. on a film set and have done the 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 wide shots yeah. and then they'll call lunch and then you'll have your food you'll f- have that exhaustion and then you straight after lunch you're coming back into the the, the most intimate of close-ups yeah. and you've somehow got to recapture that energy yeah. and that spirit and so weirdly food and drink does affect all yeah. that and you are having to kind of give yourself false energies at moments yeah. to push yourself to a, to a place that's kind of I uh, thought it was a very beautiful scene in The Good Nurse that takes place at the very end in mm. that diner where mm. you're clearly going into a place of eating you yeah. know, um, a place where you sit down yeah. in a booth and there's the expectation that you're meeting and you're going to have probably something, you know, yeah. a meal that you're going to have. And then that conversation. And it was very beautiful, I thought, that dynamic of the two of you over a cup of... I don't, you didn't yeah. have anything, did you? Yeah, you well, we order, we order but the food, the food never she, makes yeah. it, unfortunately. And then that thing that also resonates so much is leaving, you know, mm. that you... Walking out of a restaurant is quite... Or a diner or yeah. any situation where the expectation of a nice meal and then... That kind of thing of walking out is pretty, pretty tough. There was something about the architecture of that diner. Yeah. You know, diners force you to kind yeah. of sit opposite. There's yeah. no uh, yeah. that, and also the director Tobias Lindholm is an amazing man. So, to set the scene, it's it's a moment in the film when these yeah. two people who are close friends meet, and my character has been doing horrendous things, and this friend knows about it. And is wired, so is being is recording the conversation to yeah. try and get evidence, but hasn't given away that that she knows anything. So it, it's filled with sort of tension. And Tobias did this these interesting things of, for example, giving these gigantic menus, mm. you know, that that, yeah. that 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 almost stop you from being these obstacles yeah. to the scene. Like he kept having the 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 woman in charge of the restaurant come and interrupt yeah. the the scenes. So adding the, these kind of odd rhythms to, mm. to a scene that is that is filled with angles and yeah. edges, I suppose. Yeah. But no, you're right. Yeah. The, restaurants are extraordinary places because yeah. they're, you know... I, I, the real man, Charles Cullen, that I played, I got the sense that his relationship with Amy Loughran, which is Jessica Chastain's character, was always uh, one of friendship. Mm. But I believe that this was the only time that he began to think maybe there was something more. She'd invited him on a sort of yeah. out-of-work yeah. um, date, and so he's got slightly dressed up. And that that filled that scene with tension. So, yeah. so restaurants can be places of first love, they can oh, be yeah. places of, totally. of break-up, totally. of, of power negotiations, oh. of, you know, mm. they are... People do very private things in a very public space. Yeah. So people get divorced in restaurants, they announce affairs in restaurants, they get 
inspired in restaurants. Yeah. And, you know, you think, well, maybe you might want to do that at home, yeah. you know, or in the yeah. office. Yeah. And instead, there's a safety net, I yeah. think, of knowing that if you're firing somebody or announcing an affair. We have had people, you yeah. know, spill storm a glass out. of wine or very rarely or Tell me about out. that drama. Yeah, really. that drama. <laughs> well, the best one, I think, yeah. wrote, I've said it before, is the man who said he called up and said that he was going to propose to his girlfriend. It would be right will you marry me on the cake? So he did, of course. We did. Oh my will God, you marry I hate where the story's going. Yeah. You know, you know it. And halfway through the meal, he came and said, cancel the cake. Oh my God. And so we never knew why, you know. But it is that... Has that, that person ever been back? No, I don't know who he was. It was just like one of those... I probably wasn't even here that night. What are the know? oddest things you get asked well, for? Sort of- I have to say, I wish I had more dramatic stories. There's, I've been asked, you know, I mean, just... People, very often people want to bring their own food, you know, yeah. which is a bit odd. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to bring my kid yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you bring that, yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, bring that cheese pasta. But sometimes people will say, um, can I bring, somebody gave me truffle. a truffle, yeah. can you grate it? And that's fair enough, yeah. they want to bring it. Yeah. Or basically, you know, that's what we were saying before, is we just say yes, you know. People want a surprise. They want the, you know, the proposal moment. They want to get down on their knee, or they want. We've had a surprise party, and we've told, had to seat somebody in the restaurant, and then take and them, take into, them a, into the room. Um, oh, but, I'm a useless you know, at surprise parties. Uh, yeah, I once tried to hold them. a surprise. I tried to uh, hold one for Hannah, and yeah, she no, could see it straight on my face. Know. Like there's no, going to be a group of people be behind this door. I know. <laughs> or else you call up somebody and say, you know, is your partner so looking forward to seeing you? Yeah. And man says, I didn't know anything I, about I, it. No, we we love restaurants and we love that, as you say, that drama. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. I'm really pleased that you've chosen a recipe from the River Cafe Book 30 to read. What is that? The recipe is rigatoni with cavallonero and new olive oil. Serve six, one kilogram cavallonero leaves, two garlic cloves, peeled, 
250 milliliters of extra virgin olive oil, 500 grams of rigatoni, and freshly grated parmesan. This pasta is the celebration of two ingredients that arrive at the same moment in the year, Cavallo Nero and the first pressed peppery extra virgin olive oil. When we started the Reva Cafe in 1987, Cavallo Nero was nowhere to be found, so we brought the seeds back from Italy. Now you can find it everywhere, but only buy it after the first frost and not after the winter months. Never after the winter months. <laughs> Remove the stalks from the Cavallo Nero leaves. Now this is the bit about this recipe I enjoy the most. You like I just, oh, there's something yeah. about the, the, the texture of Cavallo Nero <laughs> that is so satisfying. And you can just tear out the stalks mm. or you can get a very sharp knife mm. and just kind mm. of incise down the middle. And I love, I think that's the part of cooking that I find mm. therapeutic is the sensations of things. Yeah. Anyway, so you have to keep the leaves whole. You blanch them in a generous amount of boiling salted water along with the garlic cloves for five minutes. You drain, put the blanched Cavallo Nero and the garlic into a food, uh, food processor and pulse chop to a puree. In the last couple of seconds of blending, pour in about 200 milliliters of extra virgin olive oil. This will make a fairly liquid dark green puree season well. Cook the rigatoni in a generous amount of boiling salted water and then drain thoroughly. Put the pasta in a bowl, add the sauce and stir until each piece is thickly coated. Pour over the remaining extra virgin olive oil and serve with Parmesan. I chose this recipe because during lockdown, my wife Hannah is a wonderful gardener and had always dreamt of having a kitchen garden. And lockdown was one of those occasions when we could mm. fully commit to it without the fear of travel and other things. And it became this amazing thing for me because I generally do the cooking in our house and she would just start bringing things to me that were ready. This is in the country? This is in Staffordshire, yeah. yeah. And Cavallonero was bought in by the armful. <laughs> and I yeah. had no idea what to yeah. do with Cavallonero. Yeah. And I found this recipe and it was so simple. Oh, so I made beautiful. vats of the stuff and froze it, and it's yeah. lasted us for... Uh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. You know, I think what's interesting also is that moment when you actually boil the garlic yeah. with, the, with the vegetable, you know. So it, and it if takes you were to the heat fry off it, it yeah. or if you were to chop it, but somehow the fact that it's a whole clove of garlic, it almost, almost makes it a bit creamy, doesn't yeah. it, to do that? Yeah, it does, and it's... Um, and there's something so odd about throwing garlic cloves into a pan of boiling, a pan water. Of boiling yeah. water. Then you have to kind yeah. of, you have to sort yeah. of scoop them up That's with your nice. ladle. I'm so it? glad that you chose this recipe. So going back to the beginning of mm. the Redmayne family, did you grow up with a feeling that food was to be taken seriously or enjoyed, or was it something? You know, what? How uh, was the feeling in your home? I grew up. My mum is a. a a wonderful cook. Mm. She she learned from her mother, and it's very. It was very, so she had. Um, there were three boys. I have two um, brothers and an older um, half brother and half sister. And but it was three of us growing up at home, and she had a lot on her hands. Yeah. Like we were sort of running yeah. um, circles around and quite sort of hyperactive. And so the food I remember from my youth was very traditional British mm. food. It was. 
you know, cottage pies. Mm. It was it was also the eighties. Was it so, from a was it from a region of did she come from the north? She, she the actually south? came from Scotland. Oh. Uh, she grew up in Edinburgh and so all those kind of things, like my mum learnt from my grandma, who I, who still lives in Edinburgh, is 101 yeah. years old. I remember my grandma makes the greatest bacon sandwich. Yeah. In, How does she do it? Oh, she, um, it's streaky bacon, mm-hmm. fried to a crisp. Mm-hmm. Then you use either the, the softest bap that you can find mm. or the cheapest white bread, mm. but mm. nothing posh about the bread, mm. but, and the freshest, cheapest white bread. Mm. And you put the bread, once you've done the bacon, um, you put the, the, the bread onto the frying pan with all those juices oh. and you just fry that for a few seconds. The, oh. the, then what you have, you, I smother it in Heinz ketchup. I can't, I can't be dealing with posh <laughs> yeah, ketchup. Yeah. And then put all the bacon in and when it goes into your mouth, oh, and it's salty, sort of salty, and salty. So back to your mother, yeah. cooking in the 80s. We digress. What is we digress? We could be here for hours. Um, but go back, because I heard you say something about it, it was the 80s. It so was what the was 80s. the 80s? Well, so my memory of the, like, when mum would go, you know, get really stuck in, it was things like volavant. Like, I love a chicken volavant, and I feel like volavants need a resurgence. Okay, note to self. Puff pastry with (laughs) sort of creamy sauces and tarragony, chickeny. But the thing about mum that was really influential for me is because she had so much going on, she, again, was quite a... It was the most punch for the least effort, I suppose. And so all the recipes that I've learned, you know, from her are... They sort of got me through being a student. They got me through, um, uh, through nice. yeah, and, and it's interesting, but it's certainly why the, the Cavalanero one appealed, because I don't she, have a huge concentration. Did she entertain? Did she make Follavant for her? She did. She did parties. entertain. And again, she was like me. She has to, she has to prep everything in advance yeah. because... Um, did yeah. you get involved? Did she get her kids to come help them? Yeah, I would, I, would, I would always, you know, help when I could and then do that thing of, we lived in a very tall, very thin house. Yeah. And I would do that Sit thing of creeping stairs. down, sitting on the stairs, listening yeah. to... Yeah. And again, it was the 80s, so when it was like a proper dinner party, everyone properly yeah. got dressed yeah. up. And I remember the, the glamour of that film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, famously, I love the story that your brother, Charlie, who eats in the river cafe more often he ate in the river cafe when um harper collins were down the road yeah he told a very funny story about your father and mcdonald's would you like to tell yeah there's i i don't remember being there but there's apocryphal (laughs) story about my dad going to mcdonald's and asking for a rare hamburger um, which didn't which didn't (laughs) medium rare rare, exactly didn't go down so well Um, did you eat in restaurants um, uh, eddie did you you go to restaurants we did we didn't eat other than other than um you know, Saturday night yeah, before Poirot, especially. But very occasionally, I remember once, and this was quite a seminal moment, actually, when I was probably about nine or ten, mm. my dad decided to take his children just before Christmas to have a roast lunch at the Savoy. And it was going to be a really, this was a big, glamorous thing. And I don't know if it was something that his father had done for him. And I remember going into the Savoy and seeing the glamour and the 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 dance of the theater of it i suppose anyway we were sitting there and we had ordered food and the soup came and i was sort of eating it but i was being sort of fussy and eventually my mum and mum was saying you know look this is incredibly indulgent like we are it's extraordinary place you why aren't you eating your soup and i sort of said to her it's too salty my mum was like (laughs) 
And Dad, we have brought you to this extraordinary place. <laughs> you know, the, it's, it's very, very, don't be ridiculous. Of course, it's not too mm. salty. This is one of the great restaurants. Mm. But anyway, eventually, Mum tasted it. And she was like, you're absolutely right. It mm. is too salty. Mm. And so they called over the waiter and the other waiter tasted it. And was like, I'm so sorry. And so mm. the chef, the head chef came oh, out guess, and he took my older brother James and I on a tour, yeah. apologised and yeah. said he had been on the phone yeah. or something when, yeah. when, it, when, when he had been seasoning. Yeah. And he took us on a tour of the kitchens of That's the Savoy. Nice. And it was like, I, I sort of watched that film Ratatouille. You know, it was, it was, it was again, being yeah. low in height and yeah. seeing things being flambéed. Yeah. And it was, I, I was completely hypnotised yeah. by it. That's um, like, you know, but also you didn't turn to your mother and say, I don't like it, which a lot of kids would, might just say, I don't like it. Mm. You knew that mm. it was too salty well, and you were right. What's and interesting is now later in life I'm a sort yeah. of salt addict, but I, yeah, yeah. But still, I think that and actually their response—it's the same thing. I always prefer, you know. Sometimes people write a letter and they'll say, you know, I, I, my, you know, my fish was overcooked or my pasta was undercooked, and you mm. say, why didn't you tell us at the mm. time? Because mm. of course you want that feedback. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. It mm. doesn't matter. You just want them to leave having had the best meal we could give them. Yeah. But, so I think that you said it. And mm. then you, it's, it's a nice story. Then you went to boarding school, didn't you? I did. So I you, went to, well, I went to school in London just across from where we are now no. until I was 13. And it's why I have, whenever I come to the River Cafe, I have a mixture of like, yeah, of joy mixed with slight PTSD because yeah. it was these towpaths that yeah. are right next to the River Cafe. And on the other side, that was where we had to run our cross country every oh. year. So yeah. I've got sort of memories of like freezing little legs, yeah. sort of having to. My, my my little brother was very clever and sort of feigned asthma in order to sort of get oh, out of it, but yeah, I, I yeah. didn't have the ingenuity Horrible. for that. But what was the food like at boarding school? It wasn't great. No, um, it wasn't bad, but it was also where you had this thing, uh, a sort of tea time, where you would cook mm. yourselves. And that is wh- where I first, and because I didn't love the food at school, I would mm. start sort of, I mean, it was never something adventurous, but you mm. learned to do something, you had one little hot, mm. what's it called, a hot, hot plate, plate, basically, yeah. which, which you shared between 10 mm. students. And the, the sort of one pot pasta yeah. <laughs> became a thing. You could just cook, they would let, the, but then, and then you would have dinner? And then there would be dinner afterwards, but if you oh, kind of sustained yourself, then you perhaps yeah. didn't have to. Yeah. And, and so it was just, and the, the, the food was... Your brother actually said another. What did, what did funny, he say? He said that the British are very good at the British upper class would be very good in prison because they've been institutionalized since a very young age, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so you get what you you know taken. Yeah. You know, what yeah. You have now. It's um, yeah. But there were some people that were, I remember, very adventurous. I remember one one person at Eton who had come back had been away for the weekend and I was sort of cooking some sort of stirring pasta and and he just sort of threw a rabbit on a on a, a sort of on a on a frying pan and sort of cooked himself mm. rabbit, yeah, rabbit. Tea, which oh, I thought was pretty wow. robust yeah, um yeah Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When I left home, I moved to Borough, and I lived there for a decade, right by the market. Mm -hmm. And my mum did this wonderful thing when I was about 20 I think 22 mm. and as a Christmas present she bought me this this class and this amazing woman took this group of us uh, there was random people from different mm. ages and, mm. and took us to the market and introduced us to the to the, the traders yeah. and taught us how to to spot good, yeah. you know, decent pro- produce yeah. versus the stuff that was sure. being flung. And then we went back to her home and, and this assembled group of people were taught, mm. we were taught three or four very simple things yeah. that totally changed the way I... Do you remember what they were? I mean, well, the, the, one, an attitude or the uh, recipes? Ad- re- recipes and attitude, obviously. Mm. Like one of them was a olive oil in a pan, a punnet of cherry tomatoes, salt and a lid on and let it fry then squash them once they get thingy and at the end you can grate in some cheese if you want but i never do mm. and just put in some basil torn basil mm. at the end and then you the cherry tomato skins are so sort of fine that they mm. almost disintegrate and and i sort of since then have never bought a, a tomato sauce yeah. again but it was also there was a time when i was about six or seven when my my mum had, mum um, dad had an, an au pair. This amazing woman called Ariana, and she came. She came from Italy. Mm-hmm. She came, and I. And from then on, she would. When she came, went back. A friend would come, and and mm-hmm. so Italian food That's- started kind of infusing yeah. my life. And when I was just between school and university, I went and travelled and and uh, in Italy a bit, and and we went to stay with her. And I remember it being this moment when. It was all of the tomatoes that had been grown by her family, mm. her extended family, had all been given to her. And it was that time of year when she made passata, basically. Mm. And I just remember her in, in the yes. kitchen and us all helping to kind of grind the, the tomatoes through and that that would be bottled up and vacuumed and then passed back out to the family. And that, there was something just sort of generous-spirited about it. It's a beautiful thing to watch, mm. isn't it? And, and as you say, a process. So if we've sort of talked about school and, and food and family mm. and food and being young and food, what was it like when you started your career working and food, you know, when you were acting? Um, I was starting to act and, and travel quite a lot. And, um, and travel has been one of the wonderful elements of what I do, you know, whether it's to Japan or I spent a lot of time in Hungary in Budapest and and then in like North Carolina I remember and then down in Louisiana and having you know grits and crawfish yeah. and and sweet corn and the simplicity of that and one of the wonderful things about my job is particularly when you're filming you arrive in these cities yeah. and rather than basically as a tourist yeah. but you're there to work but often the crew are from there and so you have this amazing thing of, of having an introduction to cities that, that means you can get quite quickly sort of 
yeah. slightly beneath the surface yeah. and get told where where the sort of great places are and and um it was then i suppose that my sort of food tastes started uh, expanding mm-hmm. if you knew you were going to be filming in venice or in budapest yeah. or would you start thinking about restaurants before you went would you ask people i'm not good at that but no. i know many actors that are the, the greatest of those is Jeremy Strong. Yes, Jeremy, wonderful actor yeah. and absolute passionate foodie. Yeah. And it was great when we were making the trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah. Wherever we were, I would just get a, 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 a sort of email from him saying, yeah. right, I've got us a table at this place that was on a chef's table. Where did you film that? Where um, did you film We that, shot a bit in Chicago yeah. and then actually in New Jersey, but we mm. were based in, in New York. We've had a lot of conversations with people who say, mostly the directors would just like really not to stop for lunch because it just stops the flow of mm. the of the filming or the acting. And then actors saying that actually the food on set could be terrible. What yeah. do you feel about working and oh, eating? You know, it sh- it shifts and it changes. I mean, definitely when I was starting on British sets, there's this thing craft service, which in the UK is a couple of sort of slightly moldy digestive biscuits and, uh, uh, you know, some instant coffee. And I remember when I did my first film in America, which was being directed by Robert De Niro and was a big budget. The Good Shepherd. Shepherd. I loved that movie. I loved that movie. Thank you. But it was a big shock to me that because suddenly you arrived and on the streets of Brooklyn, it was like, it was like Borough Market. They had these sort of, gigantic piles of bagels and these yeah. are some and uh I wonder recently if that was Jessica, De Niro was that De Niro well think? I think it's also an American thing and of yeah. course I was completely seduced as my children yeah. remain they, yeah. they came to the set of the, yeah. the of the good nurse they're not quite sure what it is I do but as yeah. far as they can see I just work at a sweet That's shop um and uh but you were going to say something about Jessica well no Jessica Chastain was saying recently what, what sort of tips had she learnt from yeah. about, about being an actor and one of them was that Al Pacino had said that careers get ended at the craft service table. <laughs> people, <laughs> people who become sort of too obsessed with the craft service. Yeah. Um, but food, my greatest on-set food was I made a film many years ago called Savage Grace with mm. Julianne Moore. And we mm. shot it all in, in Barcelona. Mm. And even though it was set in kind of London and New York and Cadiz, it was a sort of low-budget movie. And Barcelona was passing for all of these things. But the Spanish crews were just wonderful. Lunch, you'd, you'd sort of potter out and they'd put a table up with a kind of umbrella and there'd, there'd be just the most exquisite gazpacho in, in little cups for everyone just to sort of start. And then it felt like you were living. I mean, I think there was even wine on the table, <laughs> um, which I think would probably have aided my performance. Well, honestly. that's what I, I was thinking, you know, investing in good food yeah. for the people who work for you or that you work with. Yeah. Is so important because we all work better, we all are better when we have good food. So I think that um, your mother is coming any minute. She we is. do not want to keep her waiting. Yeah. But I, we always say that, you know, we've discussed, you know, food in childhood and food in school and food in acting. I also say that food is comfort. If you needed food for comfort, is there something you would turn to? Can it be. Anything. Quite specific. It can be a bowl of, you know, bowl of cereal. It can be anything you want. So there was a restaurant in France in a village called Grimo mm. that was an Italian restaurant mm. called La Spaghetta. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure it's there anymore, but I went there as a child and um, they did a, 
a starter called Fritto di Mozzarella, mm. which was, well, for years I've been trying to work out how the heck they make it. And everyone does their version of yeah. uh, mozzarella and carrozza, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But, it, but I think it was done with sort of the cheapest mozzarella, yeah. you know, sort of that, that really sort of mm. plasticky stuff mm. with breadcrumbs mm. and a, just a very simple um, uh, sort of fried. And, then with, and, it was, and you, could, you had to eat it quickly before it got... Yeah. Before it got it, and it it remains my comfort. And my brother, my brother James, particularly my old brother James, and I would go and we would order it for mm. starter for main course oh, and for pudding. <laughs> and it was, um, and so, and yeah. we tried for, to ask how they made it, and they would never tell us. Oh, let's go find um, out. Okay, but that I'll makes me very, very happy. That place. Okay, I said you were a food lover. Yeah, I did, and and we love you. And thank, thank you so, you so much, much for, for today. Pizza's looking slightly sad. Oh, yeah, where's that? Let's go make another one. I never tasted your pizza. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics, that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomai Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. 
For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.